0: All right, you guys having fun so far today? Yeah, hey, if you're in love with Jesus today, let me hear you go, whoop, whoop. I can't believe y'all are doing that crazy stuff in church. Gotta have some fun, man, have some fun. I believe God was fun God, still is a fun God. I believe Jesus was a fun God when he was walking this earth. I really do, and I think his church should be fun, shouldn't be boring. Man, we're talking about the most exciting news In the universe, how can you not be excited about that? How can you not get worked up about that? Welcome and thank you for being here at Eastgate Church this morning. You guys, again, thank you for joining us online if you just tuned in. Remember, if you will, to click that share button and help us spread the message this morning. Glad you guys tuned in. We're in week two of a series called Reflections. And we just thought it would be great as a church to kind of hit pause. And just reflect on the goodness of God and reflect on the gift that Jesus is. He's a perfect gift, the perfect gift. And in this season where everybody's just drawing towards Christmas. Um, Christmas is great because you get to spend time with family. Hopefully, spending time with family is a great thing. Sometimes it's not, but that's okay. You guys can work that out on your own. Um, But Christmas is, you know, it's about having fun, being with people that you care about. It's about giving gifts to show appreciation. But ultimately, it's about the perfect gift that was given to us. His name is Jesus. We started this series last week. Today, we're going to continue it. And we're going to focus on, uh, I think, one of... The most beautiful aspects of Jesus, His life, His ministry, his focus while He was here on this earth, and how Jesus was all about going after the one. He was going after the one. And in fact, if you've got your Bibles or your tablets um, this morning, you can go to the book of Luke chapter 15. And uh, just just so you know, I think we've got all the notes for the message today loaded up on U version on the Bible app, so you can follow along with the message as we go on that platform as well. Luke chapter fifteen is a beautiful passage in the Bible because it Jesus just kind of exposes his heart a little bit and lets you know what his focus in ministry is all about. And he gives three parables in this chapter. And he talks about, you know, the shepherd that loses the one sheep, and he leaves the 99 sheep, and he goes after the one, which is what that song we just sang was all about. And he talks about uh, a lady who lost her coin and tore the house apart, trying to find her lost coin, you know, because it was special to her. And he tells this parable uh, that most of us could tell from heart, Um, and he talks about the prodigal son, the son who leaves his dad, takes his inheritance, and goes away, and then comes back and that all three had the same thing it shows God's heart for the one that is out on their own for the one that's lost in sin for the one that's out there his heart was for the one Luke chapter 15 verse 1 we're going to read part of these parables today and break it down and just look at this beautiful aspect of who Jesus is and what his focus was while he was on this earth it says now The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's funny how every time you see Jesus reaching out to a group of people that need the love of God you got the Pharisees or this religious group of people that are always standing in opposition to him. And always complaining about what Jesus is trying to do. And if I had to identify with one group in the Bible, it wouldn't be the Pharisees. You know, like I, I would be with the tax the collectors and the sinners. How many of you guys would feel like you fall into that category too? Yeah, uh, before Jesus. Not like now, because I know we're all saved and sanctified and holy and none of us have any issues in here. Like we're almost... Jesus worthy walking on water ish kind of people, you know, we don't have any struggles day to day. But I would go back to uh, the the tax collectors and the sinners because I think I land on that ground more often than not myself. How about you guys? Yeah. So y'all are waking up just a little bit. These Pharisees, though, man, you think they would have learned. They're always butting heads with Jesus over this stuff. And here Jesus is doing what Jesus does. He's reaching out to the people that nobody's reaching out to. He's loving the people that nobody wants to love. And he's spending time with what would have been, like in church circles at least, like social outcasts, like the people you just don't go hang out with, the people that are just too dirty and too sinful, and they're going to have to clean their stuff up just a little bit before they're ready to come into church, you know. He's hanging out with those people. Because Jesus knows that you can never get cleaned up enough on your own to stand in front of God. So he's going after the one. He's going after that group to reach them where they were. These Pharisees were muttering and complaining because Jesus was breaking a rule of theirs and hanging out with these people because Jesus was considered a teacher of the law. Like he was technically, he was a rabbi recognized by the local synagogues and as a rabbi, what you didn't do was hang out with sinners and tax collectors because it would make you dirty. It would taint your holy little glow. You know, it, it would get your sanctified little fingers dirty with the dirt of the people. You know, And, and so Jesus was there hanging out with them, eating with them. And these Pharisees were like, you've got to be kidding me. What is this guy doing? It, because they had a whole lot of extra rules and extra hoops that they were trying to get people to jump through. To meet what their expectations and their perceptions and their standard of what a person who is in good standing with God should look like, and these Pharisees, like God gave us in the beginning, like in the Old Testament. When I say Old Testament, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So I know this is an Eastgate Church. So we got all kinds of people coming in with all kinds of backgrounds, and some of y'all may not know your Bible from your hind end, you know. Uh, so I want to walk you through. You got an Old Testament, New Testament, New Testament. Uh, starts with Jesus, and it carries on the story of the church after Jesus lived His life. And the Old Testament is all the stuff that happened before Jesus hit the scene. Okay? Old Testament, God gave the people of Israel some rules to follow. and said, hey, these are these commandments. Um, follow them. Keep them straight. And it's going to protect you from danger and protect you from harm. And that was God's motivation with the Ten Commandments and the Levitical Law was to protect It was not to give them a whole bunch of rules that he knew they were going to fail at, even though he knew they were going to fail at it because we can't keep the rules. They were there to protect them, to protect us. You get that? That's his motivation towards us. And so these Pharisees would come in, and they would add to these rules because they felt like the common church-going folks couldn't understand it on their own, so they felt like they were going to have to break it down on a lower level for the common people to give them smaller steps to take in order to live up to the larger steps of the law. And it got so complicated, guys, it was ridiculous. You couldn't eat with sinners or tax collectors. Let me ask you a question. If you don't hang out with sinners, how can you reach sinners for Jesus? How? It, you just can't. You can't reach anybody for Jesus if you're not spending time with them or connecting with them somehow, some way, you know. They were boxing themselves in, in like this classic religious trap um, that this religious mindset puts you in. We expect people to jump through hoops to get to God when we are supposed to reach people where they are and lead them into a relationship with Jesus and then let Jesus do all the work that he needs to do on the inside in their hearts. So they compounded all these laws and they would add literally like through this thing called the Mishnah or the Midrash. I know that sounds kind of fancy, but it's just this term to describe the extra laws that these Pharisees would add to the laws that were already there. So you take, like, um, one of the laws, and we talk about this from time to time here, because I'm I'm telling you, if you hang around and you get to know my heart, I'm always hammering on religion and how much I hate religion, because when you look at the life of Jesus, he hated religion. He was always battling against religion to lead people into an authentic relationship with his Father. But these guys would take a law like, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, okay? Take a day off and rest and reflect on the goodness of God that's what that means and they it complicated it and they added like sub laws and sub categories so to honor the sabbath and keep it holy they created 39 sub categories to help def- define what work meant if you take x amount of steps well now you're working and you're breaking the law if you wash x amount of dishes in the house now you're working and you're breaking the law You know, if you change so many diapers, now you're working and you're breaking the law. You can only cut so much grass, whatever, on the Sabbath, you know. But then they went from these 39 subcategories to add. Listen to me. For this one law, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, the Pharisees had developed over 1,300 rules, subcategories, and laws to go along with explaining and enforcing what take a day off and rest and reflect on God's goodness meant. We're pretty good at, as people at jacking up what God intended to be simple. Yeah, Now this is what Jesus was messing, messing with here. He was reaching out to this group of people and these religious people were upset because Jesus was breaking one of their little laws. One of their little preferential Things One of of their traditions that they put in place that God never intended, and we got to be careful as a church that we don't adopt the same mindset that they had when Jesus was there. Because when tradition and preference come before biblical principles and reaching others, the church is broken. I'll say that again because that was a mouthful. When tradition and preference come before biblical principles and reaching others, The church is broken. Church is broken. We're not focusing on the one. We're not following the pattern of Jesus. We're not reaching out to others. We're circling around and building a culture that's our own and losing sight of who God has called us to reach and what the greater mission of the church is. I joke around with the staff here sometimes and I say, you know what, there are country clubs disguised as churches all over this country. But there are very few real churches that have the heart of Jesus that are willing and ready to get out there and get dirty and reach people where they are and introduce them to the Jesus that so radically transformed our lives. And we can't get caught up in tradition and preference and games and deciding who can come through the doors of the church. You can't come in here because you're too dirty. You've got too many issues. You've been divorced too many times. You had too many abortions. Well, you're, you're dealing with some of these issues and you, you, you just can't. You, but people cannot get clean enough. We've got to open up the doors of the church and let them experience God where they are and let Jesus grow them up. It's not our job to make them jump through hoops. It's our job to meet them where they are and give them Jesus. Y'all should be shouting just a little bit more than that. Okay, it's the purpose of the church. And what I love about Jesus is that Jesus, he, was all, he, he always broke the rules of religion. Jesus was always breaking the rules of religion that these guys were trying to box people into. Always. And I'm not saying that Jesus was like this rebellious guy and he was just walking around with a weird kind of swag and he was showing up to church and breaking every rule just for the sake of breaking every rule. That's not what Jesus was doing. The Bible says that Jesus was sinless. He was perfect in everything that he did. But you see Jesus spitting in the face of tradition. And preference and religion all of the time. And I love it. I love it. You could not put a label on Jesus because he got his identity from his father. And think about this. If Jesus wasn't breaking these rules of of, of religion and tradition, and think about this. How many miracles would we have in the Bible to read about that Jesus performed? Not a lot. Not a lot, not many at all. I mean, think about it. He, he prayed for a blind guy to receive his sight. He did it on the Sabbath. Wasn't supposed to do that. Got the Pharisees all up in a tissy over that one. Never would have seen that miracle. He prayed for lepers. God healed them and restored them. You weren't supposed to pray or touch a leper at all. They were unclean, and if you touched them, the rules of religion said they would make you unclean. I love that Jesus cares enough about people. To cross through religious rules and barriers and even tiptoe through social distancing and touch people with a disease that was highly contagious and pray for them and see the power of God heal and restore them. You know, he never would have had the encounter with Zacchaeus. Never. He never would have seen Jesus praying and talking to the woman at the well because she was a Samaritan and she was a hoe. And if you were a rabbi and you were Jesus, you don't talk to Samaritans and you don't hang out with hoes. And there's Jesus, the Lord and Savior of us all, chilling beside a well, hanging out with a hoe. And he changed your life. He changed your life. Breaking the rules of religion all day long. That's the Jesus that I serve. I love it. Think about the woman who was caught in adultery. The rules said she was supposed to die. The Pharisees drug her out of the town. They were ready to stone her, and they asked Jesus, hey, we just busted her sleeping with a dude. Like caught her in the act, buck naked, in the house, with a dude, caught her, drug her out, and they were fixing to execute her because that's what the law said. And Jesus said, okay. How about we do it this way? Uh, any of you guys that hadn't messed up in your life and any of you guys that haven't sinned, let's let that guy throw the first stone at her. One by one. They drop those rocks. They drop those rocks. Man, listen, church, we need, we need a body of believers that's willing to drop the rocks and build an altar and point people to Jesus. He broke the rules of religion everywhere that he went. Everywhere. Just think about this. We, like, you wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even have the genealogy of Jesus. That you, you realize how jacked up the genealogy of Jesus is? Like how messed up his family tree is? It's crazy. There are broken and damaged people and messed up people all in the lineage leading into Jesus. Supposed to be a holy bloodline. Nah, not quite. He was preaching his mission through his genealogy before he was even born. Man, uh, Tamar, Bathsheba, women who were victims of sexual assault. And Jesus said, you know what? That was messed up, but you're not too damaged for me to include you in my bloodline. Rahab. Was a prostitute. I guess it's just ho day here at the church. We're talking about hoes all day long, I guess. She was a prostitute. And she's listed as part of the genealogy of Jesus. Man, David himself, a murderer and an adulterer, I could just go on and on with all the issues, with all the people. And Jesus said, listen, I am here for the dirty. I'm here for the broken. I'm going to come out of the dirty and out of the broken. I thank God that he's a God that can take broken pieces and put them back together, that he can give beauty for ashes, that he can renew, that he can restore, that he can heal, that he can pick us back up, set us on our feet when we fall down and say, you know what? You haven't fallen too far that I can't reach you whole life, even before he was born, preaches that he's reaching out to the one, to the hurt, to the people that need it the most. And I love that because, buddy, I'm telling you, that's this guy right here. That's this guy right here before Jesus got a hold of me. I don't know about you. (laughs) I was pretty messed up. So this is a Jesus that, I mean, we wouldn't even have the disciples, guys. Think about that. Even the disciples that he picked were jacked up, messed up people that would fall into this category of being the one. He picked tax collectors, dirty, stinky fishermen that had cussing problems. I mean, come on. This is who Jesus would gravitate towards and grab. But what you notice is, every time, every time when they got around Jesus, they changed every single time religion is death relationship is life and freedom and that's what Jesus brings in Luke chapter 15 we're going to start reading at verse three Jesus hearing the Pharisees say what they said and hearing them mumbling and complain about him hanging out with this group of sinners and tax collectors he he breaks into these parables And I kind of think he might have just been making direct eye contact with these Pharisees when he was doing this. You know, because Jesus had, like, he loved people, but Jesus would offend you in a heartbeat if he needed to. Some of the most harsh things ever spoken by a human being came out of the mouth of Jesus. Because he would offend the mind to reach the heart. Always had a strategy in what he was doing. So after the Pharisees say all the stuff that they said, here comes Jesus. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. And loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls all his friends and neighbors together to say, "Rejoice with me! I found my lost sheep." I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of Jesus. And when you're thinking about little baby Jesus in that manger in the Christmas season, remember he was on a mission while he was here on this earth. To reach people like you and people like me, those ones that were lost, those ones that were lost. It was this mission. Like Jesus even said it straight out in Luke nineteen, uh, verse ten. He said, "For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost." That's it. Not build a massive church, not get a huge following. He said, "I'm here for one person, one purpose. I'm here to reach the lost." I'm here to look for them. To seek means look. I get out and deliberately go out and try to find the lost. That's what Jesus is saying. And I praise God for that because, listen, I mean, let's be honest. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but if we're just being honest, we've all been that one. We've all been that one. All of us. Caught up in sin, caught up in our past caught up in the issues and the vices and all the mess of life. And, you know, and sometimes even after we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, like, I know none of us in here are perfect. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we make mistakes. I love the fact that he doesn't kick us out just because we drop the ball on some area in our life. Just because we we don't measure up somehow, some way. He goes, I know, I knew that before I even started this with you. None of this is surprising to me. I'm still going to love you with the same love that I loved you with when I gave my life for you. And he goes to find us, to bring us back in. We've all been that one. And this is what I want us to think about today. We've all been that one. Jesus then gave a command to us to take on his mission as his church and to represent his ministry on this earth the same way that he did it. And he said, I don't want you guys to keep what I've done in your life to yourself because there's a lot more ones out there that need to be reached. And he's looking to us as a church To reach the lost, to reach the broken in our community, to reach those in our family, in our circle of friends, the people at work, to show them the love of God and to reach out to them and and love them with the same love that He loved us. Not to look down on them, not to expect them to jump through hoops, but to love them with that same unconditional love. To go after them like they're that one out on its own and leave the 99. To go get them. He, he wants us to have that mission. He said in Mark chapter 16, in verse 15, Jesus is talking to us. He's talking to the disciples in the church that was there. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Preach the gospel to all creation. Everybody. It is a great reminder for us as a church. Listen, we don't exist to get together every Sunday and sing some songs, give a little bit of money in the offering, and feel good about ourselves. We exist as a church to carry on the mission of Jesus, and that is to go after the lost. Can I just be honest with you this morning? And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself when I say this. Listen, all this, not about us. It's not about us. It's about the one. It's about the one. He has called each and every one of us to share that love and to share that gospel with as many people as we possibly can. Now, some of you may have even heard anything like that before in your life. You know why? Because pastors are too stinking scared to stand up and challenge people to get out of their comfort zone. And to go out and reach people. You know why? Because they know when they put that kind of challenge out in front of everybody, that probably some of them aren't going to show up the next week. I have a question for you. What what has to be going on in your heart to not want to tell other people about this love of Jesus that has so radically transformed you? You know what I mean? Something's got to be broken in there. Got to be broken in there. Maybe it might be because we've bitten a little bit of that religious apple and we've gotten used to the comfort of this and we've forgotten about the mission that Jesus has called us to. And I'm not saying we don't get together and worship God and we don't get together and have fun. I I think church should be awesome and church should be fun. But church, listen, we're here to reach the lost. Because if we don't, we're not living out the example that Jesus set for us. In fact, it, it may, here's the deal. If, if we have the heart of Jesus, we'll have the mission of Jesus. If we have the heart of Jesus, we'll have the mission. Of, now, I'm not saying you got to sell everything that you got and go out to a street corner with a blowhorn and preach to every car that drives by you, okay? That's just weird. That's just weird. Um, maybe those people will reach, some, I've never seen... Anybody like that? I'm not saying that, but I am saying this. You're probably strategically placed in your circle of influence and life to reach people that nobody else can reach. No one else but you. Do you ever think that at your job, you're not just going to your job to get a paycheck, but maybe you're there to be an undercover missionary to the people that you're working with And whether you're with that family that might drive you absolutely nuts during this Christmas season, maybe you're there to be a missionary to them. Just to show them the love of Jesus. To tell them about Jesus. Maybe you're going to be the only Jesus that they're ever going to see. And and this this is why I wanted to talk about this today. Not just because Jesus is so awesome and not because he's given so much for us, but because. Because. Next week, we have an awesome opportunity to put this stuff into action and invite people to a Christmas service here at this church and watch God impact their lives. Everybody say this. Hey, Hey. you want to come to church with me? We're doing some cool stuff stuff. for for Christmas. How about it? pretty easy, pretty easy, it doesn't have to be as corny, as lame as what I just said, but you can invite people, you know what I mean, we're having this Christmas thing at church, what if, what if this week, we put the word of God in action, and invited, and we didn't just say, wow, that's going to be a great Christmas service next week, I can't wait to get there to see it for myself, but what if we invited somebody to come on? You know that most people will come to a Christmas service at church if you just invite them? All you got to do is invite them. Well, I just don't know if I can, I, if I can invite. I just don't. I, you know what? Maybe it would help you to do this. This is kind of extreme. I get it. Okay, But maybe that person at work or that family member or your neighbor that you're on the fence about inviting to church. Maybe if you picture them in hell on fire, burning for all eternity, and you know that you have the answer and the freedom and you have the gift of salvation inside of you to offer them through Jesus, maybe that might motivate you a little bit more to step out because you might be the only Jesus that they're going to see. About 7 out of 10 people will say yes. To coming to a Christmas service like we're going to have next week. That's why we're having a Christmas service like we're going to have next week. And you know, we beginning of beginning of this year, we as a church, and I know for several of you, you've come to this church after the beginning of the year, and I praise God for you. I praise God for you coming into the church for God bringing you in. I think it's awesome. We got together at the beginning of this year, and we decided that we wanted to kick up our outreach and our reach in the community to a whole other level because we didn't want to sit around and risk becoming a glorified country club. We wanted to have an impact in our community for Jesus. And so a lot of us just went, just, just sold out into this challenge that we put into everybody. We called it a 12 stone vision that God had given us. Um, God spoke to us and said, listen, you're going to see 2,000 salvations and 1,000 baptisms over the next five years of ministry in your church. That sounds awesome. That means a lot of work for us. A lot of work. And we, so we started giving above and beyond what we had normally been giving to the church so that we could see an increase in the outreach from the church. Now, I want you to hear me say this. Not an increase in salaries for the staff. Okay? Increase in outreach from the church. And we saw God move in a powerful way, man. That's just crazy. We, we're, we're reaching so many people online right now. It's almost, if, if I didn't know God was involved in it, I'd say, wow, that, those numbers have got to be fake. How, how do we jump to being in 50 countries, reaching hundreds upon hundreds of people online with the message? How, we, how do we expand our reach into the community and connect with over 300 people in our community, how have we prayed for thousands upon thousands of people in our community and see so many people saved in the middle of a global stinking pandemic? It's because of God and because our church decided to step up, decided to step up and do what the Bible said. And this week we got the same opportunity. Now at the beginning of this year, we looked at the example of the Titanic. And I want to come back to that today as we're getting ready to, to dive into the, the closing part of this service. The Titanic was a ship, hit the iceberg, huge disaster. Okay, there were two major mistakes that happened. (laughs) Outside of not seeing the iceberg until it was too late, maybe three, maybe three big mistakes that happened. But one was this, mistakes for the Titanic was this. When they hit the iceberg, the people and the crew on the boat became so self-focused and so focused on their own safety that they were literally putting lifeboats in the water that were only half full or a third of the way full because they were so focused on self-preservation. Eastgate Church, we cannot be so focused on ourselves that we forget that there's always room in the lifeboat to bring somebody along, okay? And so this next week, I want us to be thinking about who we can. Everybody hold up one finger. Just one. Just one. One person that we can put in that lifeboat with us this week and invite to the Christmas service next week to see God impact and change their lives. It's one person, one family. To Just bring them in. The second lesson of the Titanic was this, is that they didn't even have enough lifeboats on the Titanic for all the people that were on the Titanic. They only had enough for roughly a little over half the people because they thought it would mess up the deck of the ship and make it look too cluttered. They weren't prepared. Next week, we've got an opportunity to do something powerful. We have an opportunity as a church to build some more lifeboats. Next week for Christmas, and we've been talking about this for about six weeks now, We want to take up a special Christmas offering. So while we're bringing people in and inviting people in, and God's going to be impacting their lives, we're going to take up a special Christmas offering here at this church. And here's the reason why we're doing it. So that we can have more boats. We're taking up this offering to put resources into the outreach fund of this church. So that we can go into the year 2021, with a full tank of gas ready to reach this community. Now, I want to say this again, okay? The outreach fund, not the pastor's salary, not Christmas bonuses for the staff, okay? So a lot, a lot, a lot of churches are, churches are tricky out there. You got to watch them, okay? The outreach fund of the church because we want to reach our community. We want to see people saved. Every penny that comes in in that second offering we're taking next week will go into that outreach fund so we can reach our community. We're going to take 10% of that offering. And I think this is beautiful because it's not just about us as a church. We're going to take 10% of whatever we bring in in that Christmas offering, and we're going to give it to the Assembly of God COVID-19 Relief Fund to help other churches that have been financially impacted by COVID-19. Okay? Because it's not about us not about us. So we're going to reach our community and we're going to help other churches to fill the boat and to make sure we have enough boats. I want to challenge you as individuals and as families to take time this week. If you haven't already given into the the Christmas offering fund, like if you go online and you look, or if you text give and you look under the funds for East Gate Church, you'll see like tithes and offerings. You'll see Probably a 12-stone vision fund and next-gen stuff. You'll see a Christmas offering. You can give in that now. But I want you to pray about what God would have you give because it gives us a beautiful opportunity to get a jump on next year. Why? Because of the one. The one. The one. Pastor Josh, what are you giving? I'm giving so much that it hurts. I'm going to give so much that it hurts. Because I know this, that funds for outreach will equal life's reach for the kingdom of God. That's the mission of the church. I want to give till it hurts. Maybe it would help some, I know know this is kind of hokey too, maybe it would help some of your mindsets to think that next week while we're in the middle of shopping for our family and friends and all of that, maybe next week we, we set aside something to bring as a gift to Jesus. If you want to think about it that way. We're set aside, setting aside money as an investment to go towards impacting the lives of those people who are out there that are the ones just like you and I used to be the ones. And I think, me personally, if more churches would get focused like this, we would see a whole lot more people reach for the kingdom of God. So I want you to come in next week ready to give. And you don't even have to wait till next week. Okay? You have to wait till next week. Pastor Josh, how much are you giving in this offering? I'll just tell you. Okay? Because I made a, I made a promise to you as a church when I came in as the pastor of this church. I would not ask you to do anything that I was not willing to do myself. Okay? Kelly and I are taking a full week's salary and we're putting it into this offering next week. Because I want to see people saved. I want to see people impacted and changed by the Jesus that so changed my life. And if us doing that so that we can reach other people, we'll reach other people, then it's worth it. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you guys watching online. I want to challenge you to give and give till it hurts. Not so the church can have a huge offering to say we had a huge offering, but to the glory of God so that my God, at least one church can say, we are serious about what we say God has called us to do. I don't know what that looks like. It might look like $10 for you. It might look like $50 for you. It might look like 1000 Maybe some of you guys could write a huge check and go towards it. And it wouldn't even put a dent in what you've got going on in life. Let me challenge you. Amounts aren't important. What's important is that we give our best. Okay? That's what, that's what God's impressed with. Are we giving our best? Or are we doing our best? So come ready to give. And don't even wait. Give now so that we can see lives impacted and changed. Does that sound like a great idea? Yeah, I think it's gonna be awesome. But here's the deal, that's gonna be great. I wanna see this church full of people that are gonna give their hearts to Jesus. That's what I wanna see. We've we've gotta impact somebody, we've gotta invite somebody. If you look over your shoulder, for some of you it might be behind you, on this wall back here, to this side. Guys watching online, I'm sorry, when you come to service here, you'll, you'll be able to check it out. There's a big banner over here and it's got our name on it and it's got all these lines on the banner. This is something that we put up that we're gonna leave up for a while. All of those lines are just big enough for us to write names on. I want us to fill that banner full of names of people that we are believing to come into the kingdom of God. People that we're gonna be praying for, interceding for, people that we're gonna be inviting to church, inviting to outreaches. Whether they they come next week to the Christmas service or it's gonna be something in the spring of next year, a name sits on that banner for six months, then let a name sit on that banner for six months and we'll pray and we'll intercede and we'll believe for God to move in their lives for six months and I tell you what, it makes the celebration a little more special when they come through those doors and God impacts their lives. Okay? So that's what that banner is all about. Why? Because I want to, even right now, begin to move the focus of our church onto the one. And I don't want you to feel pressurized or guilt-driven or anything like that, you know, like, can happen sometimes in in services like this. It's there for, I I mean, probably everybody in here knows at least one person. Let's put them on there. Staff's going to pray for them. We're going to pray for them in service. We're going to believe for God to impact their lives. So after service today, feel free. There's Sharpies over there on the small table to go over there and and write a name. And we're going to be praying with you for God to move in that person's life might be good for you not to put a last name up there. Just put a name up there, okay? And we'll pray for them. But next week, next week, guys, it's going to be so awesome. Our kids have been practicing and preparing and and getting these little skits. It's so fun to watch the little kids get up in their little Christmas outfits. And you never know what kids are going to do on a stage. So this could be great, or those kids could just go buck wild crazy, and we're just going to have a YouTube moment. We don't know, okay? It's going to be fun. They're going to tell the story of Christmas. The band's going to be preparing. They're going to have some special songs that they're going to do next week. I've got a. It's going to be a, a brief, special message that's going to be geared towards the lost and reaching people, for leading people to Jesus, what it's going to be about. And then when it's all said and done, we're going to go to this back parking lot back here. And we're going to have some fun. We've got a hot chocolate bar that's coming. How many of y'all like chocolate? Yeah. Oh, you're going to have some fun next week. You're going to have fun. Death by chocolate in a cup, I'm telling you. This <laughs> is going to be great. Uh, hot chocolate. Um, inflatable stuff for the kids to jump on. And if you can sneak on there while the adults aren't looking, maybe you can jump on the bounce house a few times as an adult before we kick you out. Who knows? Uh, petting zoos. Horse rides. Okay, now I don't want you to think little bitty ponies for kids, horse rides. So adults, if you like riding horses or have always wanted to ride a horse, you get your chance. So it's going to be fun. going to be a lot of so We're going to be playing Christmas movies. We're going to have some food being cooked, you know, some good food too, and it's all going to be free. And we're advertising this as a community event that starts at 1230. Okay, so we're going to be here in service. God's going to be moving. It's going to be awesome. And when we say "Amen," and we go back out there, people from the community that have seen our ads are going to begin to show up, and we're going to be able to reach them too. Free. Free, because we want people to know about Jesus. That's going to be fun. Okay Now we may have to do a few things different. you guys still with me? Yeah. Okay may have to do a few things differently next week, okay? Because this room's going to be more full. See we've enjoyed. The, the space of uh, low attendance because of COVID-19. And I'm seeing you know, the last few weeks attendance coming back because I, I, I love that. I love to see that. We're going to have a more full service, though, next week. So we're asking you, if you can, if you're comfortable doing it, maybe consider wearing a mask because you might be sitting next to somebody that you don't know. And that's okay, right? That's what it's all about, right? Okay, so we might see more people invading all the space that we've become used to over the last six or seven months. Uh, We'll have free masks available if you don't have one. Now listen, here's the deal. We're saying we're encouraging you to just because it might make some of our guests feel more comfortable. Okay, if you don't want to wear a mask, look at me. Nobody's going to escort you out of the building because you're not wearing a mask in service next week. All right. We let people make up their own minds on whether what they're, they're going to do. But we're saying maybe for the sake of our guests, pretty please put one of those on. When we go outside, we'll have plenty of space probably, so it won't matter that much. Here's the other thing that you're going to see different next week. We're not going to be parking in this back parking lot. Okay, so we've gotten permission from the landowner of this land lot next door to let us park our cars over there. So when this front lot here is full... We're going to begin diverting parking to this field next to us. Okay, so don't let that catch you by surprise. We'll have people there ready to give you instructions just in case you forget. You know, so none of that's going to catch you by surprise. You know, if you forget, we'll be prepared for you. Um, so be ready to show some preferential treatment to our guests and maybe park over there to allow some of our guests the ability to park closer to the building. Maybe we could do that and just serve a little bit next week. So masks, be ready to park in this field next door. If you get here a little bit late, I'd encourage you to do this. Get here early next week. Get here early so that you and your guests can find a good place to sit and get ready to have some fun. How many of you would say, Pastor Josh, I know somebody. I might not be able to get them to the service next week, but I'm going to try. But I know somebody that needs Jesus. How many of you would say that? Yeah. Now, if you are here and you don't, let me encourage you to start getting out of that little bubble and making some new friends. What I wanna do as we close service is this. I want us to pray for those people that we know that need Jesus in their lives. Can we do that? And while we're doing that, I want us to, to praise God and give thanks to him for being the Jesus that went after the one. Because we wouldn't be here without him. Amen.